Here we are, another Locked On NFL. I am your co-host, Brian Peacock, alongside me, as always, the scout, Matt Williamson. And since it's Thursday, Mike Sando of The Athletic is kind enough to join us, and we are going to be talking about some things we were, well, some of us were wrong about coming into the season, at least for one week so far. A preview, Thursday night football, and of course, the big news that continues to be new and big just about every time we get together and chat is more Antonio Brown stuff that we definitely have to get into. Before we get into all of that, I do want to remind everybody to subscribe to this show. We are everywhere that you can find podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL, and Mike is at Sando NFL. Fellas, how are we today? I'm Doing fantastic. Great. How about you, Mike? I'm doing great. Better than a couple of the teams from week one. I know that. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. very true. That is very true. And uh, really, everything you think that's going to happen gets turned on its ear. And who knows what will happen from here. But at least for one week, I was about half wrong and half right about most of the NFL. Uh, one of the things I was right about last time we talked about Antonio Brown, I told Matt, well, there's still two more days until Monday Night Football. Maybe things will be different, and it, it's changed twice since then. He's already been picked up by, dropped by the Raiders, picked up by the Patriots, and now the latest, which is much more serious and very unfortunate, is Antonio Brown has been accused of sexual assault by his former trainer, and that gets way more serious, and now I just don't even know what to think about Antonio Brown. If he'll get on the field, how these proceedings will go because lawyers are involved and the league is going to be involved and her name is Brittany Taylor. She will be meeting with the NFL next week, but she has to get married first. So a whirlwind in her life as well. Yeah. Mike, why don't you handle this one first and then I'll go on my AB diatribe. Yeah. Well, what I, what I would like to know is where are the people throughout any of this stuff going on with Antonio Brown who are standing up for him? Is there anybody? That's a great question. Has anyone from the Steelers, anyone from the Raiders, besides John Gruden, who said nice things about him, but who was just probably doing that to try to help his chances of of resolving the situation, um, there's nobody, right? I mean, I, I, that's what I'm just struck with through this whole thing. I think for a while, you know, you you try to keep an open mind that, um, you know, that maybe things aren't as they appear, you know, that, hey, maybe the Steelers screwed up something or Roethlisberger did or, you know, the maybe the – you know, there's another way to look at the helmet thing or whatever, but it just seems like one thing after another, and this is just different, worse than the other stuff. And I, I'm just having a hard time. Um, I'm having a hard time keeping the the mind open to the idea that, well, you know, uh, maybe a misunderstanding here. There it just seems like there's too many things that are adding up to make me be concerned about certainly him being a productive player but just the guy i mean it's disturbing right and not you, you don't hear any of his former teammates really in pittsburgh saying oh antonio's great and you know misunderstood in this way or that way pretty much everyone's at arm's length at least and matt you know more about that and can speak on that a little bit better than i can but i guess one person who seemed to be at least in his corner a little bit after all of this i was surprised how fast he was picked up and the contract, how much money he got from the Patriots to give him a $15 million deal with $9 million guaranteed right away, the same day that he was cut from the Raiders. That was a little bit surprising to me. It's, I mean, it's all surprising. I mean, uh, part of me, you know, someday there's going to be a football life AB, a 30 for 30 AB, and 
my hunch is it's going to end very badly for him. He's going to end up in jail or something, you know, do something dumb or who the heck knows. And it sounds coarse, but it sounds like he kind of deserves it. You know, this is brought upon himself in many ways. Um, I really hope this isn't true for the young lady's sake. I mean, that's, that's the, the number one concern of right. course, is I hope some young lady didn't get raped, of course, but uh, I mean, you didn't hear those type of things with Antonio, but you never, like Mike said, I don't know that he had any friends on the Steelers. Nobody's talking around the facility going, man, I wish AB was here. I mean, they might've on Sunday night when they were trying to move the ball against the Patriots, but uh, in terms of missing him as a human being or standing up for him, there's none of that. And you have to wonder if there's some bit of just mental illness happening with Antonio Brown sure. because so much that he's brought upon himself and you hear him speak and with his actions just don't make a lot of sense for someone who's, you know, a functioning person in society, really. Yeah, I think that's why you feel like it's heading to a bad place. And, um, you know, I, I after a while, you just get fatigued with him, you know, and I... Uh, I don't know how much more I want to <laughs> talk about him, really. I mean, I don't know what there is to say. Is he going to play? Um, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? What what happened in this case? Uh, there's a lot that we don't know. Just whatever we see um, looks bad. Yeah, I think A-B fatigue is a good way to put it. And it, every single time we get together on this podcast to talk, there's something new to talk about. And it seems to be a big story. But you're right. It's I guess we have to pick and choose what's a big story. And at a certain point, it's just not going to be a story anymore because it's like same old AB stuff. Can we just move on to something else? Yeah. And I do want to just talk about one little area of it that I wanted to get Mike's opinion on is sort of more football related. I mean, th- these allegations aside, you know, I-, I heard Belichick's press conference today and they were as short and as disinterested as he could ever be, which is saying a lot for Belichick. I mean, like, I'm sure it's starting to wear on him already, the the short time that he's been associated with Brown. And, Mike, I wanted to run one thing by you, too, because it buzzed on my phone. Antonio Brown signs with the Patriots, and I go, oh, man, they're going to go 16-0 and and win another Super Bowl. (laughs) I mean, these guys, you know, perfect. And Gronk will come out of retirement, and, you know, they'll be amazing. And then I watch the Patriots just dismantle the Steelers and think, boy, what throw Antonio Brown in the mix? How you know how how much better is it going to be? But then, you know, I, one of my co- my co-host Dale Lawley and I brought this up earlier in the week. Knows Antonio a lot better. He's been covering the Steelers for many many years. Did a radio show with AB, and he's like, Matt, there's one thing here that everyone's missing is Antonio cannot be on time for anything you know he even when he was not quite as crazy never was on time for anything totally beat of his own drummer maybe he's working out maybe he's getting his nails done maybe he's getting a new car whatever he's never where he's supposed to be and then I thought about it and I'm like you know what he isn't on the field as much either you know for the patriot way of looking at things you need to be one foot outside the hash marks at 2.4 seconds, you know, like he's a little bit of a freelancer and that's a hard offense to learn. Like those are two obstacles that on the field and in the building might not be all roses and unicorns. That's a great point. Yeah. You know, Matt, we've been so distracted by stuff that has nothing to do with football. Yeah. But I do remember uh, when in analyzing the trade to the Raiders, you know, that was one of the, 
football-related elements was that he and Ben Roethlisberger had built such a rapport over a long period of time and had a big freelance element to it, right? Just a, a sixth sense with each other, right? I mean, you're just sort of like, you know, a great point guard who plays with the same forward for years can make the pass. Yeah. But with it, It's not even a play. They just do it, you know? It's not really drawn up. They just know. And I think that won't be recreated. Um, and as you go by, like I was looking – do you ever watch like the uh, Brian Baldinger's little breakdowns, Baldy's breakdowns? You ever see those? I've seen yeah. some of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they're pretty good. He was doing one. Uh, he was doing a couple on Brady um, that were great. Just the precision, you know, just how his mechanics of the fakes and the footwork and the everything was perfect in order to create this one yard window to get the touchdown <laughs> pass in there. You know, that's not really Antonio Brown as much, right? I mean, it's a little bit more drawn up in the dirt. Absolutely. On the so, field. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that transfer then to the place that's all about precision? It may transfer just fine, <laughs> but it may, you know, not be quite as good too. And my, I guess my question to you is not that you're behind the scenes with the Patriots, but you're behind the scenes in the league a little bit. I mean, if he's late to meetings or those type of things, I can't see them putting up with it. No, I think he'll be gone or suspended or, or something. It just won't work. So yeah. um, I don't, I mean, look, they don't really cut, you know, when, when Brady screws up, he runs laps in practice. Right. So, I mean, everybody's accountable there. I, I, they're not going to make a, an exception. I don't think for him. And I guess we do have to move along here and start talking about some people who are on the field. Who knows <laughs> if right. Antonio Brown helps the Patriots go 16 and 0, or if he's finally the one that derails the Patriots, we'll find all of that out. But uh, some teams, that had some interesting starts to their season coming up. Well, hello, everyone. I want to tell you about our new buddies at Vivid Seats. Well, I'm fortunate enough that I can go to any Steeler game whenever I want, and I don't go to other NFL games. I also have a pretty good source through my Steeler contacts to get the concerts. But Penguin season for me is right around the corner, and I'm going to be using Vivid Seats a lot to go with my buddies. So I'm pretty excited about it. I want to tell you about it. Um, Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last, last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person, earning credit back on all purchases made through the Vivid Seat app via the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program. Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, sports, concerts, theater, and more, stand-up, anything you want, uh, all through the Vivid Seat app. It's very easy. Vivid Seats offers great prices with an easy purchasing experience as well as an in-app loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards. With rewards statuses ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer, customers can earn 10% up to 16% credit on all their purchases through our app for the month of August. Go to App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program and will enjoy credits on all their purchases as part of the Vivid Seats Rewards. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guarantee, of course. So this is something you absolutely have to do. And when you go, enter our promo code KICKOFF, all one word, all caps, at checkout to receive a discount of up to a, up to 100 bucks. I mean, so why wouldn't you? Enter our promo code KICKOFF at checkout, and you get a discount of up to 100 bucks. All right, Mike, your latest for The Athletic, you talked about a number of things and a lot of great notes in this article, but one thing that grabbed my attention is 
the Cleveland Browns. And we joked before we went on the air that I might have to have a segment on here where I apologize for the things I got wrong the week before. And I called the Tennessee Titans the Mendoza line team of the <laughs> NFL. And if you're better than the Titans, you're a good team. If you're worse than the Titans, you're a bad team. And so I guess I would put them better than what the Mendoza line is batting 200. But you get the idea. And uh, there might be more concerns for the team they played against in the Cleveland Browns week one, really spanked the Browns and the Titans came out looking strong. Yeah, you know, and I still look like Baker Mayfield is future. I think they're going to be an improved team. The Browns are this year. But um, I think Tennessee's a tough out. You know, I think Tennessee's a physical team. Maybe like you're saying, I think we agree, Brian, that it's more like they have a high floor and a low ceiling. You know what I mean? There's they're, they're not yeah. a team that's going to go all the way. But they're going to punch you in the mouth. You know, if, 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 I used to follow boxing. There's not gonna. This isn't gonna be appreciated by that many people. But Joe, <laughs> Bring it on Joe, anyway. Joe Hip was a was a pro boxer. Okay, 20, 25 years ago, heavyweight. And I'm telling you, you could hit him in the face a hundred times, and he's not going down. You know what I mean? But he was never gonna win the title. And I think the I think the Titans are just a rugged, tough team that um, was gonna be hard for a team like like the. To me, the Browns are a. Uh, flashy team but not necessarily having proved that they have substance or depth those types of things so it was a little bit of a setup in week one I was on Nashville radio the week before and they were all talking about you know how the Titans were overlooked I said yeah I think you got a point I mean they're they're gonna they may not win in Cleveland but uh, they could be a tough out so I didn't think they'd ever win by 30 but I'm not surprised that the Browns are um, you know exposed a little bit early I think that's well said Mike and I, I kind of look at Tennessee and think, you know, or I look at the Browns and say, I'm not sure what kind of foundations here, but they have beautiful tapestries and everything's, you know, fantastic. But the electricity and the plumbing are leaking and it's faulty. And maybe the, you know, where the Titans are the opposite, where you can huff and puff and you're not going to blow that house down, but it's not real pretty. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's a real sturdy one. And I think they're well coached and that Vrabel is a really good coach and might go down as the best Belichick disciple to date before long. I think, you know, if he keeps that team really competitive, but my problem, if you focus on the Browns, there were two massively overlying issues. There were the penalties slash lack of discipline after the whistle stuff. Not like I I'm getting beat as a corner and I'm gonna drag this guy down because that's all I got. It's just mental errors and, uh, lack of discipline. And then the other one, I don't know is going to be corrected, is their offensive line is rough. And I w- would sure like to have Kevin Zeitler right about now. And I think that's going to be something they're going to have to scheme around all year long. Yep. Yeah, it, it, that was tough to see 20 penalties. Two were declined. 20 penalties. Your wow. left tackle's ejected. Um, I think when you bring in, you know, players uh, from other places, and in some cases, you know, they were, they're available for a reason. And not in every case, but in some cases – um, you know, maybe you would want to have a coach come in who has, you know, exacting standards and is uh, sort of, you know, running a tight ship. And I feel like Freddie Kitchens has been the opposite of a tight ship. You know, I think he's been sort of uh, uh, a little bit freewheeling, um, encouraged the guys at training camp. I was at their training camp, Colts, uh, uh, Browns joint practices, and there were all kinds of fights. It was sloppy and and it wasn't like Kitchens was out there pulling his guys back. He was sort of unapologetic, like, hey, this is what I want. We're not taking, you know, we're not taking guff from anybody. We're going to stand up to everybody. Well, 
there's a place for that, but it's more like probably in your positional meeting room of the offensive line than for the whole operation. And I felt like that reflected in the first game. Doesn't mean they're not going to improve or doesn't mean they can't win some games, but I think it showed in the first game. I heard Michael Lombardi calling them Virgil Salazzo in that they took a, you know, they, they snuck up on, on the Godfather, didn't take him out. And now they're the hunted one. And it's hard being the hunted one after you took, you know, and you're running your mouth and there hasn't been something so trivial and dumb. That's rubbed me the wrong way. Like Odell and his quarter of a million dollar watch on the field. That makes me want to pull my hair out of my head. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> I hate it for some I thought it was kind of a joke. I love that you hate it. That was, <laughs> that was the last straw for you, huh? I'm like, that is so stupid. Yeah, I just, just can't so even pointless. Think. It's like, okay, good job. Yeah, nice watch. He's and, probably getting paid for it, right? That's I mean, true. Or whoever probably giving him money, right? This has got to be a huge endorsement thing. I mean, you should try to wear in something else next game, you know? Some of the reactions <laughs> after the game were troubling, too, when, you know, when, and I'm sure... Mike, it's happened to you at some point in your career, asking a completely normal question after a game and getting a response of, of don't ask me that. How could you ask me that question? And uh, oh, so yeah. that's just kind of goes hand in hand with the discipline and, and what's going on there. And maybe, maybe too many personalities, by the way, guys dropping some really good names. It was Virgil Salazzo from the Godfather. <laughs> and, and who was the boxer? Joe Hick. I brought up Joe Hip. I mean, you know, it's sort, sort of in my past, you know, okay. I, so I, before I was married, I watched a lot of boxing, and for some reason, I don't watch nearly as much since I've been married. You know, so um, I can't figure out exactly why that is. All right, I'm gonna go look up some Joe Hip highlights. I gotta know Joe Hip, man. He from Yakima, Washington. Tough dude. Just tough dude. Tough I like dude. him all day long, huh? We, yeah. We, if you're a flashy guy wearing a watch uh, over your boxing gloves, you know he can't get <laughs> you out. He's gonna land some body shots, and you're gonna think you're gonna hurt him, and he's just gonna laugh when you hit him. And don't mess it. with the Turk, too. He's good with a knife. But. <laughs> All right. So we talked about a, a Bill Belichick disciple there, and I want to get into another one here. And Brian Flores in Miami and the the tank job that's happening there. And I don't think – because I've always believed that it's not ever a true tank because the players on the field care too much. The coaches are coaching for their jobs. The players are playing for their jobs. And they're going to try hard even if they're a bad team. So the tank job has to happen from inside the building in the front office, right? Yeah. The philosophical yeah. thing. Yeah. But it's sort of like it becomes, you know, I think it becomes hard to execute because everyone on the team and in the stands and the owner knows what you're doing. And so, you know, I, I picked up on it right when Stephen Ross, the owner, was having the press conference, I think, after Adam Gase was fired, maybe even before they hired someone. They were talking long term right away. And I and I get that, I understand that, but I think usually you Put up a little bit more of the illusion of, uh, you know, we're trying to be competitive too. It's hard. It's this is it's hard to lose badly for a long time while you're rebuilding. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it because I understand the Browns' philosophy of, and what the in Miami what they're doing too is let's trade our good guys for future assets. Let's open cap space, and it'll all come together, and we'll be wonderful. But it's got to be, it's already happening in Miami. It's got to be so miserable to go to work and know that you're just going to get your head beat in. And, you know, how do you develop a winning culture when you're that bad and you're truly on the, you know, the, on skid row and you got to come all the way back, you know, who are your leaders and the guys you bring in, you know, like the Browns, I mean, they have like no one with playoff experience. Like, yeah, they got all this talent, but 
who's going to you know lead this ship? Yeah, I think players are less apt nowadays to say how high when you tell them to jump. You know what I mean? I think guys want to yeah. be want to be told. I think they don't just you know want to be have stuff explained to them. So you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And maybe Brian Flores is a really talented coach who can who can do it. And you get some young guys that are hungry, but it's tough. You know, that fifty nine to ten is pretty tough if that starts to repeat itself. Don't know that it will. I think Baltimore's a really really tough team to play, but they got New England now, and they're a really really tough team <laughs> yeah. to play too. So um, you know, long season. I got a quick Dolphins question for both of you. Mr. Peacock, if I set the over-under line of Dolphin wins at one and a half, are you going over or under? Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not go fully into the mode that I believe that week one is, is, the, is the ceiling for how good the Dolphins can be this year. So <laughs> I think they could stumble into a couple of wins, and I think we've seen only one winless team for a reason. Uh, one and a half. If you said one, I would say, you know, push or over one and a half gets more difficult, but I'll take the over. I think the Dolphins could win a couple of games. Last year, we saw some really bad teams and um, they're going to stumble into some wins. Maybe some teams come in off the road, some West Coast teams flying across the country. That 10 a.m. start is always difficult in the Miami weather. So I I think they could stumble into two wins, but that's difficult. One and a half is really tough to take the over on right now. Seeing what we saw in week one. How about you, Michael? I probably take the over. So I'm just looking at their schedule. So the first four in New England. New England, Dallas, and the Chargers are next. That's going to be really hard. Yeah. They have a bye. Then they're home against Washington. So we'll see. I think Washington has some talent, but uh, not depth. So they started losing. Didn't they lose Jonathan Allen during the game? Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, they they if they lose some guys, attrition, quarterback situation could get worse. Um, you know, I think that's definitely one to watch. They're at Buffalo the next week. That's probably hard. But, you know, they've got – they'll have the Jets and Buffalo twice each. I think those are teams that could – you know, B- Buffalo could turn it over. Jets, who knows what they're going to do. They get the Giants late in the year, so we'll see, you know, who's playing for for who. Um, if you said two and a half, it's maybe hard to find three, but one and a half, maybe there's going to be two along the way. I didn't look at the schedule, but I do like that Washington call coming off a bye in Miami. I'm still going to go under, although I will concede maybe they get the bills when Josh Allen's, you know, injured or slam Darnold's out or, you know, they, they luck out with an injured quarterback or two. I just look at that line and think, I don't know how they're going to score points on offense. Yep. No, I, I agree. And there's, what do you expect? You know, they didn't have a good line already and they traded away Tunsil. So <laughs> they're only good. Um, guy. Yeah. It's, you know, they picked up a couple guys who could, you know, maybe help them, but aren't cornerstone guys. So I, I, I agree with you. I think it's just going to be really, Really hard, and you saw in the game, uh, you know, in the game on Monday night, uh, there's Kenny Stills making a huge catch, you know, uh, <laughs> right, right. Late in the game, and you're like, huh, you know. And I know <laughs> Tunsil got made fun of early in the game, but there were times later in the game they were really moving the ball for Houston, so um, it's hard. And maybe they'll trade Rashad Jones or somebody else that's an adequate player or better. Still, I mean, there might be more shoes to drop. That's yep. very true. Yeah, there even more talent could leave that team before making even more difficult to win games. Uh, and you hope that. Brian Flores is on board and knew that it was going to be a long process and he has at least some job security, maybe not the 10-year contract that uh, that John Gruden has, but knowing that it's going to be a rebuild, that he'll have a chance to be there next year and the year after and get the thing going in the right direction because that would be a rough go to just be hired for that reason to be the fall guy basically in Miami. But we've got to move on here, talk about another team in Florida, Thursday Night Football, Buccaneers at Panthers. Folks, it is a new season. 
The only thing that hasn't changed where I'm putting my money down on all the games. MyBookie is the only place to bet on football every weekend. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sportsbook, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs 100 bucks to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. So, folks, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and absolutely my bookie fits that mold. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business for you and your fantasy guys out there. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. I love that feature, by the way. Up to a $1,000 first deposit bonus. You double your first deposit. Use our promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use our promo code Locked On when creating your, your claim when you're creating your account to claim the bonus. Again, that's locked on, two words, locked on, bet, win, get paid. So looking at this matchup Thursday night, guys, or tonight coming up, we've got the Panthers-Buccaneers, both teams winless in week one. The Bucks looked really bad against the 49ers last week, and Jameis Winston and a couple of fumbles as well. Just throw, They were just giving the ball back to the 49ers left and right against a team in the 49ers that won zero road games last year and couldn't get a turnover to save their lives all season. And uh, that script was definitely flipped in week one. And mostly it was the Buccaneers doing, giving the ball away to the 49ers. Uh, The Panthers are still a talented team. You still got Cam Newton there. Didn't have a great opener and everything ran through Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. How do you see this game on Thursday night? Yeah, uh, I look at the Bucks like you said, and, man, they are a train wreck in week one. From what I understand, a lot of their players, especially Mike Evans, were really fighting the flu, and they look like it, and maybe I'm just making excuses so this is more interesting. But kind of like I mentioned the Browns, I think the Bucks' offensive line could really derail a lot of really good skill position talent. It was bad in the preseason. It was bad before. And now they got to block Gerald McCoy. He kind of knows them sort of well. And first-round pick after first-round pick in that front seven. I think Winston's under a lot of pressure and probably turns the ball over two, three times, short week on the road. And then the defense might be worse. <laughs> you know, I mean, that secondary's young, and that, that's a good group of weapons. Um, I, I think the, the, the Panthers just crush them in this one. You know, I'm leaning that way, too. And so last night I watched the, uh, you know, when, on Sunday you're watching a bunch of games, but sometimes that means you don't get to see the whole game. You know, so last night I watched the Rams and and uh, Panther game. And, man, the Panthers left so many points on the field. I mean, turnovers early, missed yeah. field goal. You know, they, they really should have had easily 10 more points in the first half just by not doing horrific stuff that isn't going to happen every week. So – whether it was rust or just bad luck, uh, Rams made some nice plays, but uh, they lost by three points, you know, uh, in a game that they left a ton of points on the field. So I, I, I agree with you. Um, I feel like the Panthers are, um, you know, have a much better chance of winning this game than Tampa Bay. The short week complicates that. I believe the game's at Tampa Bay. And uh, no, it's at Carolina. Oh, it's, it's at Carolina. Carolina. Oh, yeah. It's even more so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Then I feel even more so for Carolina. I'm not sure if I ever asked you this, Mike, but I, I'm, I'm not a fan of Thursday night games being divisional contests because they're doubly important. But I think the argument is, hey, it's easier to prepare for the Bucks because we do it twice a year every year. We'd rather do it on Thursday. Do you, do you have a preference on that? Or, you know, is that the logic behind yeah, having so many no, division games? I think that is. I think it is logic of it. You know your opponent. There's it's an easier pr- preparation time. Um, and sometimes it's probably a shorter trip. You know, just in general, True. division opponents are going to be closer, so you're not going to have a cross-country um, Thursday night game. So, you know, there's just there's no way around the challenges and the, the negatives of what a Thursday night pre- game presents. So you're just trying to make the make the best of it. Panthers favored by six and a half, and I think I would probably give away those points and still take the Panthers on that one. One interesting aspect of the Buccaneers is you hire Bruce Arians for a reason because of his offensive mind, but Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator there, if this season starts to go south, I wonder if they might be forced to just give play-calling duties back to Arians because he's the guy you hired as much as you like Byron Leftwich. I think that just depends on what is perceived to be holding back the offense. You know, if it's just Winston throwing interceptions, I don't know if that has to do with play calling or not. You know, I think the interesting thing to me about Tampa is that, you know, Bruce Arians puts a lot on the quarterback. And when you have a Carson Palmer, who's, um, you know, a 10 year veteran and has had some success and is mature, uh, you know, I think the results can be better than when you've got Jameis Winston, who you're wondering if he can grow up, if he has the maturity doesn't protect the football, um, isn't as detail-oriented in how he plays. Uh, I think it's a more difficult recipe based on what Bruce puts on them. So um, I, I don't know that – I guess I, I want to know what will be perceived to be the problem. And if it's just Jameis doing what he's always done, I don't know if that's the play caller. You know what? And to take it a step further, I looked at that marriage over the offseason so many times and thought – boy, Arians is going to be great for him. You know, those two will get along well, and he's a really good quarterback whisperer. And I believe that stuff, and I do believe that stuff still, but I'm not sure no risk it, no biscuit is what Jameis needs. He might need Tom <laughs> Coughlin. Yeah, I agree. Now, one, <laughs> one thing about Bruce that people may not realize is he is a balanced play caller. Um, if you just go back over the years in the sort of neutral situations when you can run or pass, he's very much along the league average 50 50 you know type guys so what he does is he pushes the ball down the field yeah and i think we're talking about now is the line good enough to allow that and we don't think it is yeah it is probably not from what we saw in week one and what was interesting to that point mike is that even late in the game when the bucks were down two scores they were still running the ball and we saw ronald jones get a share of carries in the second half and they were still running and and they they didn't panic they didn't just start you know Chuck and Duck, even though Winston was still throwing the ball away. Maybe that was because Winston kept turning the ball over, and he's like, well, I guess our better chance to win is just to run the ball here. But they were running it in the second half, even though they were down. So there is something to that. Um, Last thing here on this game is Christian McCaffrey, who was the entire offense for the Panthers last week. He got, what was it, 29 touches, 19 carries, and 10 receptions. He had a couple of touchdowns, 200-and-something yards combined. Uh, is he going to last if they're giving him the ball that much? Do you just run it all through McCaffrey and hope that he can handle that much of a load? Probably not every game, but I think he's one of those, you know, just amazing talents that it's hard not to do it. You know, when you really need to win the game, they're going to give it to him. So mm-hmm. um, it is a little bit of a concern. You know, I think it's a concern later in the season. We'll see if they're still in it, but um, he is still young. He's still fresh. He's a beast for not being the biggest guy. He's really put together well. I think he can do it. For a while, but long term, that becomes harder and more of a concern. 
And they've had that same conversation with Newton's career. You know, should yeah. you let him be a battering ram all these years? I, I, I'm kind of in the court with both of them that football players don't last long anyways, do what they do best, and so be it. You know, give yourself the best chance to win because there's only so many opportunities to do that in this world. Yeah, I tell you, Ron Rivera's not worried about the next five years. He's worried about the next five <laughs> games. That's true. Yeah, right, right. And to go back to the boxing reference, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So when you're trying to win a football game, you give the ball to your best player. Absolutely, and he is amazing. Did you see the catch he made on the deflected ball? Yeah, oh, uh, so good. He's like unreal. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. He's cat quick and just just such a pleasure to watch. Yeah, there's some really fun running backs in the league right now who are both equally impressive as receivers and runners and uh, it's fun to watch those teams play so if I'm watching the game I'm hoping they're giving it to Christian McCaffrey or throwing it to him on every play all right fellas thank you so much we're out of time here thanks everybody for listening be back tomorrow we'll be making our picks for the Sunday contest right here locked on NFL